Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Welcome to episode 78, Falling in Love with Your Superpowers. Falling in love with yourself is key to reclaim your superpowers. Let me introduce you to Barbara. She is a transformational coach, a speaker, and an author. She specializes in helping people who feel different than others to be deeply connected with their authentic spiritual self, have a clear crystal vision of their life that they truly want to live, unleash the power that is already within them, and reignite their passion and purpose so they can have a soulful, profitable business, achieve their dreams, and live a fulfilled life on their terms now. She has created the Authentic Superpower System and the Soulpreneur Success System, and she's the founder of the HSP Power Academy. In today's episode, Barbara and I talk about hitting rock bottom, deep healing, the power of love, to manifest the life of your dreams. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest, Barbara. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Karina. I feel honored to be here today. Thank you. I always start the podcast off with asking you your love journey. What is your story of who you are, how you fell in love with yourself and the work that you do? I know it's a big question. So yeah. you can, you know, <laughs> just, um, so share what you feel is relevant for right now. Okay. Can you give me a time frame that I have for answering the question that <laughs> I know shorter or? <laughs> Um, usually people share, you know, a few minutes. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's, it started already when I was very young. People used to tell me things like, oh, but you are far too sensitive and you really need to grow a thicker skin and you shouldn't take everything so personal and you really need to learn how to let things just wash off your back. And in hearing those words, um, I just create this story for myself that I am not good enough the way I am. And I was picked on and bullied a lot in school. And that further fortified the notion that I wasn't good the way I am. So in that moment, in, in that time, I decided to suppress a really big part of myself and to try and make myself be the person that I thought other people wanted me to be. So I did my best to try and fit in so that people would love me or accept me or give me a job, become my friend, become my partner. You know, I, I created all these versions of me to show to whatever person was in front of me. So there was a version of Barbara for my coworkers. There was a version of me for my uh, family. There was a version of me for my friends. And that ended me up in a severe burnout when I was about 32 because I just couldn't keep up anymore with all the things that were happening. There was a lot of pressure in my work. Um, my boyfriend of seven years all of a sudden ended our relationship and the combination of all those things, it eventually ended me up in my burnout. And when I look back, it was because I wasn't myself. I wasn't loving myself. I wasn't taking good care of myself. I was always trying to please other people, trying my best to um, satisfy other people instead of satisfying me, taking really good care of me. 
So at the time, the burnout looked like the worst thing to ever happen to me. I felt like my life was over. I had failed everybody. I had failed being a human. And I was very harsh on myself. But it started me on my journey of self-discovery. It started me on my journey of self-love. I discovered I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm an empath. I'm an extroverted introvert uh, and a whole bunch of other things I will not mention here because then it becomes too long. But, you know, every piece of me I discovered, it, it explained why I am the way I am, why I think the way I think, why I do what I do. And with every little piece about myself I uncovered, I discovered the beautiful person that I actually am. And it took me a long time before I could tell anybody that I think I'm a beautiful person because somewhere that feels like you're bragging about yourself or, right. you know, that, that you're tooting your own horn and, and people usually frown upon that just like they frown upon taking really good care of yourself because many people think that that's egoistical but i think taking really good care of yourself your wants and your needs is mandatory it's necessary for you to be able to share your love with other people share your love with yourself and being the best version of yourself you can be so yeah, that's in, in, in the shortest version. Of the I, can I feel like there's, I'm, I'm also highly sensitive empath, introverted extrovert. And um, so it's, I always feel like a lot of the people that come on the podcast are also empaths. I feel like empaths tend to be healers and wanting to bring yes. good things into the world. But as an empath, there's always a moment where you go through so much pain and it's, it takes a lot of work to get out of that to be able to then help other people. So I, you mentioned that, you know, your boyfriend, you broke up with your boyfriend and it always seems to be a catalyst, right? Like something happens, some big pain point happens, and then you, you decide that you either want to pivot or you're going to go down south. So what was that moment for you when you were like, you know, I know I can either go dark and stay dark or I want to reach for the light and bring lightness into other people's lives? Well, it had multiple times, actually. I always thought that the dark night of the soul was only once in your lifetime, but that's not true. <laughs> no. If you are, well, fortunate, unfortunate, depends on your view. <laughs> you go through multiple of them. So the first turning point was that burnout. It was not just the boyfriend, but it's, I was working a project that was very important. There was a lot of pressure on me. Uh, I had been under that pressure for a long, long time. And we can handle stress even for a long time. But it feels like you're walking on your toes. And, and you have to put everything you are into it to keep yourself standing. So that's mm -hmm. the energy that you're in. And then my boyfriend, the seven years breaking up with me, totally unexpected. We didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. My friends, our families didn't see it coming. That's then just the final drop, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. then at work, it's already stressful and shitty. <laughs> and then at home, yeah. everything falls away. I lost the love of my life. I lost my home. I lost most of my friends because they were his family and he made them choose. So oh, all nice. of a sudden you're alone there. And yeah, that, that was the first time I crumbled, but there have been more episodes like that. I, I remember I think it was 2018, I lost five people in two weeks. Five oh people God. that were very dear to me and, and they all died in, in two weeks time. 
and that was also a major moment in my life because that's you know it's too much i i teach people how to prevent the burnout and how to manage their stress and i was doing all those techniques but sometimes things just happen that are of such a magnitude that it doesn't matter how good your techniques are or how well balanced you are at the start of it it's just it, it felt like blow after blow after blow after blow and then you know five of these magnitudes of these heavy blows in two weeks yeah, I was at the verge of a burnout again. And that also was a pivoting moment where I thought, oh, okay, um, wh why is this happening? What is it trying to tell me? What's trying to be birthed in my life? And um, that was a, a big change. And then again, with COVID, um, yeah. my government closed down my business for nine months out of the 12. And that meant no income. No, uh, everything you work so hard for, I saw go down the drain and uh, that brought up some other fears that were deep down that I thought I had handled, but hadn't handled completely or even some new ones I wasn't aware of. And that also invited me to dive into myself. And then I discovered I had some things that were very deep in your subconsciousness. So the subconsciousness has multiple layers and I had already cleaned the top layers of the subconsciousness but there were a couple of things that actually had to do with when I was still in utero so very long time ago um, when you weren't even consciously aware of yourself yet that played a huge impact on my life that I was asked to face and uh, go through and it isn't after it wasn't until after that the last piece that it kind of felt like a weight had been lifted all the other things were small steps or sometimes big steps and and you did feel a little bit better but usually it was temporary and that's why i say you can have multiple dark nights of the soul there are it depends on on the on the person but it is possible to have multiple of those when there's yeah. just a lot that needs to be healed before you can step into fully accepting that everything is love and that we are all connected and that you're a part of a, of a big whole i used to think i was very alone yeah i didn't feel connected to to love to the universe to god or however you want to call it at all i feel like that's a feeling that all of us feel i think that's part of the human condition you come on this planet and it's one of the things that we need to overcome is this illusion of aloneness that we're alone like that there's yes. no one else suffering and i'm just like and I, and i feel like everybody says it and it's so interesting because it's like so far from the truth that we're so connected, that we feel each other so much, but yet we're in this belief system that we're alone, suffering in a corner of the world and no one else is suffering something similar. That's part of the reason yeah. why I created this podcast, right? Is to show people that people are going through stuff around the world and it's we're all the same. Yes. Yes. Just and that's a very important thing to realize because all of these things, all of these beliefs, I think they, they are being handed down from generation to generation. Right. It's sort of ingrained in, in, in your DNA on a deep cell level, I would say. It's, it's not just, even if you're brought up in a religious um, setting where you do feel the love of God or you believe in God and its love, then still you can feel very alone. So just having faith is not enough in order to tap into your connectedness. And that's something that you need to learn, something you need to discover, and somebody needs to teach you that. Otherwise, you don't know, right? 
Yeah, you don't know, but you don't know. Yeah. So when you feel that there's something off. Yeah. And I think as an empath, you always kind of feel like you always, a lot of empaths, at least not all of us, but many of us feel the undercurrents of situations. So even if, Mm -hmm. if somebody's saying something or something is happening, we always feel what's happening underneath. And that's the part that can drive a lot of us crazy because we're like, this doesn't feel right, but you're saying the right things or you're doing the right things, but this doesn't feel right. And it's that intuition and holding on to that can, that can really shift a lot of, it, it could shift so much when you really allow yourself to believe and hold true to those true feelings that you're initially feeling. Mm-hmm. Yes, but also you need to discover what are those true feelings that I'm feeling? What the hell am I feeling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's important to have help. I mean, I mean, you're a guide, so you're guiding other people, but did anyone help guide you as a coach or a mentor? small parts but for the most part I did it by myself I did it on my own and that's the main why behind my business because I don't want people to have to suffer the way I did or have such a long journey back home to yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) there is a much shorter route you can take but somebody needs to guide you right and there were not a lot of guides or mentors out there when i needed one so i yeah that that's my why i devoted myself to being such a guide to people who feel that there's more out there in the world but they just don't know how to get there or how to tap in there but but they do feel there needs to be more <laughs> yeah well that's amazing that you were able to carve out your own journey your own spiritual journey without a guide because it is a lot of work and it takes a lot of yes. courage yeah. So so now how so how do you work with people mostly online? Um yes, at the moment I do, especially since the covid thing, but also because I am an international working coach, so I have clients from all over the world and it's impossible for all of them to come to me. Mm-hmm. I am working on a solution for that problem, but at the moment most of the work is in, indeed online. Could be one-on-one group or with an online program and if people live closer by uh, then they come and we go in the, in nature in the woods mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, nice yeah. so do you specialize in working with entrepreneurs and highly sensitive people and empaths those people similar to you yes yes i do and they don't need to be an entrepreneur yet um I, it's mostly people who feel different than other people who feel like they need to be someone else in order to fit in so usually those are highly sensitive people empath people intuitive people uh they can also be called light workers dark workers there are so many different names uh, some call themselves spiritual rebels others call themselves spiritual leaders or sensitive leaders there are so many different words for the right. same type of people um and their deepest desire is usually that they want to be free to be who they are so that they can be free to do what they love doing. Mm-hmm. And I believe if that's truly your desire, then you need to become an entrepreneur because I truly believe that that's the only way you have total control over every aspect of your life and you can be truly free to be you and do what you love. Yeah. But as an entrepreneur, I think it's the biggest part I found through the years is you have to work on yourself like oh, i think that yes. it's impossible I say, otherwise i 
I haven't grown this much or I would not have grown this much if I hadn't become an entrepreneur because you are your business. So your business is doing exactly as well as you are doing. So you need mm -hmm. to do personal development and grow yourself and learn everything about yourself, your strengths, your capacities, your weaknesses, everything, because it directly translates into your business and how well it's doing. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I know for me personally, like if I'm, if I'm going through something or I feel shut down or whatever, it affects my clients. It affects who comes, who comes to me. And the more I grow, I can see the change in my clients, the, the clients that become attracted to me that want to come see me. And I think that's so beautiful to see like, mm -hmm. oh my God, like, you know, like I'm growing in this way and look at the kind of clients I'm attracting now. So that's been exciting just to see your growth as a person. And it's so, I mean, it's just so remarkable to be able to do this kind of work and also work on yourself at the same time. It almost feels like, it almost doesn't feel like work. It's like, oh, I get to work on myself and I get to help people. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. And I think that that's the, for me at least, it was the end goal. You know, to love doing something so much that it doesn't feel like working. So it's it's been a real blessing just being able to help people, connecting with people, um, seeing them grow was so rewarding. People, I had one client when she came to me, she was on the verge of committing suicide. She just was at the end of her rope and she thought, you're my last hope. If this doesn't succeed, then, you know, I don't think I want to go on. And by our, the time we had our third session already, she was smiling and she said, she was like a little child full of enthusiasm. She said, oh, I couldn't wait to talk to you because I have something to share and you're the only one who will understand. And, and she was smiling and in that, you know, a child with a gift or, or who wants to show you something, energy. And then I said, oh, oh, tell me, you know, I'm very, very interested. And she said, you will never guess what I did this weekend. I said, no, but I'm dying to find out. And she said, I went into the woods and I kicked every leaf I could find. And I had such fun just <laughs> And she said, did you know what I did at work? I said, no, but please tell me. She said, I wore two different colored socks. Nobody wow. And then for someone who just two sessions ago wanted, was on the verge of, of not wanting to live anymore. Yeah. It's such rewarding work to see people grow and, and change like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like having the zest for life, like wanting to be alive. Yes. Yeah, yes, but loving life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the biggest way I found about, about doing that is loving your own life so people can see it as an example. Mm -hmm. Like, so for your clients, like, to reflect on you as their guide, like, seeing you fully love yourself and love your environment and love the work that you do is also super inspiring. Yes. Um. So I'd love to hear, like, I mean, I'm going to ask you more questions about love later, but um, how how you take care of yourself? Like, how do you self-care, self-love, self-soothe? Well, the biggest, the most important thing is that I listen to what my body is telling me. I do not push myself anymore. Mm -hmm. That already starts with I wake up when I'm done sleeping. I don't have an alarm. It doesn't blast in the morning. And I give myself that permission that room to just sleep until my body is done sleeping 
And then when I get up, I have an extensive morning routine. It takes about, well, I think most of my morning actually, because how you start your day is so important for, for the rest. And what's in it, it depends on what I need and how I wake up. But what's always in it is energy work. I always do meditation. I do a bit of journaling of some kind. I ground myself. That's one of the most important things for highly sensitive and empath people, grounding making sure that you are breathing from your belly, that you have a nice belly breath. Um, so those are the elements that are always in there. And I always go walking in nature. Um, depending on my time, it can be anywhere between one and three hours. And while I walk, uh, also depending on how long I walk, it could be that I just soak up nature's energy and let go of everything that I need to let go of and take in new fresh energy. And then I feel great when I get back. Um, it can be that I listen to an audio course or an audio book or something or an inspiring podcast or stuff like that, you know, to educate myself while I'm working on my health and uh, keeping myself in balance. Um, but, but overall, most important thing is that I do what I feel is best at that moment and I don't push myself. So it can also be sometimes you wake up and Sometimes I wake up with a migraine. It doesn't happen that often anymore, thank God. But sometimes I just wake up with a migraine and then I cancel my day. I don't push myself to uphold my appointments or other stuff, you know, I just cancel my day. I say, I'm sorry. I woke up with a migraine and, you know, that's it. And then I just do what I need to do to feel better again. Could be taking a hot bath, could be sleeping for the rest of the day or you know, feeding myself really well, um, those types of things. Yeah, that's great. Those are all su great suggestions. And I like what you mentioned about being intuitive because you may need different things at different times. Yes. Yeah, I, I used to have a set morning routine, but then I'm, I don't know if it works for you as, as it works for me, but when I have to do something, mm -hmm. I get an aversion to it. Right, so if I have to journal every day, I stop doing it. If I have to meditate every day, I stop doing it. So I discovered I need to be intuitive in there. I have a whole toolbox of things that I can do for myself to heal myself. And uh, like I said, there are a couple in there that I do every day, like grounding and, and energy work and uh, those kinds of things. But Sometimes I do a short meditation. Sometimes I don't do a meditation. Sometimes I do a long meditation. Sometimes I don't journal. Sometimes I do journal. It's more of what do I need today? What's yeah. my soul calling me to do? Or yeah, like that. Yeah. So I would love to know what is a soul igniter? <laughs> a soul igniter is someone, um, who connects another person back with their soul's mission mm -hmm. with your higher self with with your calling there are so many different words for it but um basically sparking the spark of life back into you okay so um is this is it like a meditation where you're intuitively helping people get into that space or is it something that you walk them through i'm just curious on your process around that it's a, it's a whole process. You first need to find out why that spark isn't sparking, mm -hmm. why you are not 
lighting up why you are not happy and bubbly and vibrant because that's the way you are when you're connected to your soul and yeah. you're living your soul's purpose you know you you know so you can always tell when someone's soul is not ignited they're just a, a bit dull and everything's just a bit down and a bit less uh, or sometimes a lot less that can also happen like with the woman who was on the verge of suicide it was very very down and then we discover why that is and um i take them to a, a custom process that allows them to overcome those whys so that the path is clear for for the ignition so to say got it nice yeah i mean it's interesting like if you don't have that passion for any for anything i feel like it, life just becomes dull and <laughs> Is it, I mean, I always tell this to people, but I feel like not everyone's gift is necessarily their work. It doesn't always have to be their work if they don't want to be, if they don't want it to be. I mean, anything is possible, but I feel like the, you know, you have to find your mission has become kind of like the, the buzzword, like, what's your purpose? Like, what's your mission? And I feel like a lot of people are kind of stuck in this space. They're like, I don't know what mine is. And they, then they fall into this like self self-pity self-deprecating they go into this like pain point because they don't feel like they're in touch with their mission so um i feel like everyone has a mission but maybe it's not always as clear or as obvious as as um helping people or doing this i mean your mission could be to be an amazing mother and providing a beautiful family so i'd love to hear your thoughts around that well, I, I completely agree with you. Um, but I also see that people think that what they love doing, that they cannot make money with it, for mm-hmm. instance. So uh, I, I had this guy and he was very much into gaming and they had always told him, you know, gaming is for children and you need <laughs> to grow up. And that's not something you can do for a living. And that's not true. You know, there are people out there that have a very lucrative YouTube channel where they test all the games that are coming out and get paid very handsomely for it. There are also girls that have a YouTube channel where they show other people how to make do makeup or how to cut their own hair or stuff like that. So what I see is that people are limiting themselves with yeah. their beliefs and their beliefs come from society, from parents, from uh, grandparents. It is, a lot of them have been handed down from generation to generation. Others we pick up from, from our parents, from our teachers, from other influential people. And they limit us in, in thinking. You know, one of the questions, or one of the things I always do with my clients is um, when everything is possible, there are no limitations. You have money enough. You have time enough. You have knowledge enough. You have opportunity enough. You know, everything you could ever need is there. What do you want? And most people cannot answer that. And if they try to answer them, then they say, well, I would like this, but. Mm-hmm. There yeah. you're so focused on the bears in the road, the things that are blocking them or stopping them that they don't even dare fantasize or dream about things anymore. And I see that as a worldwide problem, actually, because it already starts with childhood. I believe that when we are born as children, we are very open. We are very in tune with the universe. That's why a lot of children also have what some might call magical abilities or clairvoyance or clairaudience, or they see ghosts or, you know, those types of things. They they can travel through time or or, or, uh, children are 
connected to this time-space continuum in that way. They, they have those abilities. But then in school, we unlearn that because we need to be like everybody else. And you need to have one thing that you focus on and it needs to be something that can be done with your head, like an accountant or, or even a fireman, but, you know, a single purpose. And you need to know your purpose at a very young age and all the woo-woo stuff and, and what people call woo-woo at least. Um, <laughs> well, it metaphorically gets beaten out of you. And then when you go through your dark night of the soul, it's like you need to relearn the stuff that you already knew when you were born, but that you had unlearned. And now you need to relearn it again. And it's much, much harder. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, like, how that is when you're a sensitive empath growing up, how it gets beaten out of you. And then you have to go back. I don't think I've met an empath that had, I think I've met one, actually, that had her parents kind of like, encouraged it which is very sweet but i think the most of us we have to like go through this deep darkness and then come out of the other side mostly i think it's to help other people well even if your childhood was great and you have wonderful parents then still school beats all this stuff out of you and you still need to relearn it so it, it, it you, it's not mandatory or uh, necessary to have like an abused childhood or problems or, or stuff you know you, you can actually have really wonderful parents and had a really great childhood but still you are no longer in touch with your clairvoyance I have this gift I know things with scanning certainty without being able to know it and when I did that as a child people got scared of me yeah. And they treated me as such. And that's why I unlearned myself from doing that because it frightened people and they made me think it was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm reconnected to it, um, I use it within my business and it's a wonderful tool. And still people are scared of it because I sometimes know things about people that I think it's not possible that, you're, that you know this. But yeah, obviously I do. <laughs> um, so you know it's it's also about those types of situations where you just have a gift and it's not encouraged to have it it's it's either decouraged or um what the other word well i can't find it but you know what i mean <laughs> well we all have so many hidden gifts you know that haven't it's really even been able to release because there's so much we are we're like you're right like people are just create their own self-limiting beliefs to prevent those gifts from very from manifesting yes and yes the children do don't don't do not do that themselves they learn it it's learned behavior yeah yeah learned behavior and also just the need to want to be i think for me it comes down to just wanting to be loved right yes. when you're little right because if you know even if you had a perfect childhood like you said we all go through some kind of pain growing up. I think otherwise we wouldn't learn how, what it was like to be human. We have to under, we have to understand pain as one of the lessons or mm -hmm. one of the situations we experience here. But it's interesting because, you know, school, your peers, parents, siblings, family, just life itself, the media, all of it can have an effect Oh, yes. On who you are, of course, right? So those yes. are, you know, and it's like you want to be like everyone else. You want to look like everyone else. But that's also else, you know? um, promoted. I remember when I found out I am 
highly sensitive person. I went to my mom and I said, mom, I found out what's wrong with me because then I still thought there was something wrong with me, you know? Right. And I said, I'm a highly sensitive person. And her response was, yes, child, I know I am one too, but it's not something to be proud of. Oh. I was like, why? And that's my grandmother had taught my mother to be just like everybody else because she genuinely believed that life is easier if you are not an outcast or you know when when you are safely in the middle that life is then easier somehow and that you're safer and and that's what my grandmother truly believed so that's how she raised my mom and that's also how my mom then raised me if I often wonder how my life would have looked if my mother had embraced her high sensitivity and had taught me that I'm a high sensitive person and how to handle it you probably would have come to the same place you are now but just sooner (laughs) Yeah, and then the other thoughts is that you need to have these painful experiences in order to be a good guide. That's in what order I believe. to help other people grow. Because yeah. I, I, I dated a guy once, and besides being adopted when he was six months old, he had n- not nothing had ever happened to him. He had loving parents. They they got a child of their own. They didn't make any uh, distinction between him and, and, uh, and their biological child. He went through uh, high school, college, never any any problems. And I wasn't really able to talk with him because he didn't have life experience. So how can someone like that become a good coach or a good guide or a good mentor to people who are going through their dark night of the soul? You have to go through your dark night of soul to be able to pull someone out of theirs. Yes. It's it's impossible otherwise. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I'm grateful for my childhood, even though it was intense. It was like, oh, okay. Like I wouldn't be able to do what I do now if I had an amazing, perfect, quote unquote, perfect childhood. Um, And I know tons of, and I, you know, and it happens, it happens at some point in your life. I have clients that had perfect, quote unquote, perfect childhoods. But now they they have this chronic illness and they don't know where it came from or what's going on. So there's so many. I feel like those lessons are going to come at some point yes. in your soul's evolution, you know. So yeah. and I am grateful that mine happened at an early age because so then I could spend my whole life going up, <laughs> you know, like, OK, I went through all that darkness. But now I still go my I, of course, it still goes. I go on my ups and downs, but overall it feels brighter. Mm-hmm. to be able to move forward and also to help other people. I think that's the joy of everything, just being able to help other people find more love into their, have more love in their life and more joy and whatever their definitely. heart desires. Yes, definitely. And and that's also why I said, looking back on the burnout, it was one of the best things to happen. Right. And, and my childhood made me into the person that I am with all the knowledge and the tools that I now have to be able to guide people so well. So that's also something to be thankful for. But when you're going through it, that's a whole different story. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> well, let's get into the infinite love questions. So yes. the first one is, is how do you express love in your work? How do I express love in my work? Um, that's a very excellent question. I think it, it basically shows up in everything I do. It's it's the, um, the care I put into my videos, into my workshops, into my blogs, into my everything, my podcast, everything. Um, but also um, 
that I don't, I don't believe one size fits all. I don't have a standard thing that I shove through everybody's throat. <laughs> I create something for you that addresses your wants and needs and your issues so that you come out of it as the person you want to be. And well, you need love to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Well, that's also a very good question. I used to have a very big problem with forgiveness because I falsely, I know now, but at that time, I believe that forgiving someone meant telling them it's okay what you did. And some things are just not okay and they will never be okay. So I needed to learn that forgiveness doesn't mean saying to, you don't forgive someone for them, you forgive someone for you. You forgive someone because you want to release the energy of the negativity and the hurt and the pain because you do not longer want to be weighed down by all the shit. And you want to emerge as a loving, kind, wonderful person. And that's not possible when you still cling to hurt and anger and resentment and all those other negative things that are a logical byproduct of being hurt or abused or whatever. So you forgive to set yourself free. Yeah, I love that. What is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? What is the most compassionate act someone has done for me? Um, I think actually just calling me out on my shit. Yeah. Instead of telling you what they think you want to hear or just uh, my family is very big on um, you don't air your dirty laundry and everything for to keep the peace so a lot was bottled up inside and um, sometimes you do someone the biggest pleasure even though they don't experience it at that moment by just calling them out on their shit telling the hard truth that sometimes need to be told in order for people to step out of their funk or their dark night of the soul so that they can grow. And that takes a lot of courage to tell someone that <laughs> what they are doing and calling them out on their shit. So that also shows a lot of love that you love someone that much that you're willing to bear their anger, fury, uh, whatever comes when you call them out on your shit because you love them and you want the best for them. Yeah. That's true. I think it's also, um, it takes a lot of love, respect, um, trust to be able to communicate hard, having those hard conversations. And um, I know for me, I've been, I avoided them for so many years because they can, you know, I I was always afraid of someone else's reaction if I tell Mm -hmm. them the truth. But then you realize how grateful people are when they hear the truth. They're like, oh, thank you for for saying that. Especially when you wrap it in love and you communicate it well. I think people are so grateful to be able to hear that feedback because sometimes we just don't get it. People are so fake. They just don't tell you the real, the, what's real, what's happening. Yes. And sometimes people don't take it well. I, I tried to do the same for my friend and we ended up not speaking for two years mm-hmm. because she wasn't ready to hear it or she wanted to stay in denial. Um, and that doesn't make me a bad friend. It doesn't make her a bad friend. And that's just the way it is. And now we're back in contact and, and everything's okay again. But, you know, sometimes that can happen. Not, not 
always everybody's happy with tough love. <laughs> no, it's that's why it's called tough love. <laughs> um, how do you receive love? With open arms. Yeah. And that, that also took a lot of learning. In the beginning, I couldn't accept a compliment, for instance. If somebody said, oh, I like your dress, I would say, oh, it was just 10 bucks in the discount. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I couldn't take compliments. And, and when somebody said, oh, I like you, or uh, thank you so much for doing that, I would just talk over it. I, I couldn't let it in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and a lot of people, um, well, suffer is not the right word, but a lot of people have that. that they, they cannot accept love and now i with open arms that's that's really the answer i love it when people show me their love and i show my love back and it's wonderful nice what do you love most about your life the freedom the freedom to go wherever i want i i only need my laptop i have traveled before covid obviously a lot (laughs) Uh, with my laptop while still working but also enjoying different cultures different people Um, I can choose with whom I want to work I can choose how late I want to work I can choose where I want to work I can choose where I want to work on it's the freedom yeah and lastly where has love created a miracle in your life where has love created a miracle in my life oh that's a tough one that requires some thinking. Yeah. I think meeting my twin flame and feeling unconditional love both ways for the first time in my life being fully seen and accepted for who i really am and loved for it and being able to give someone that same gift back it's beautiful how long have you how long you guys been together we're not he broke it off last year because he is in his own process Mm-hmm. Uh, we were together for a year and he has some learning and growing to do, which he is doing at the moment. And um, I strongly feel that we will meet each other again in the, in the future. Yeah. But it was the first time ever I was in a relationship where I was completely myself and loved for it. Um, it healed a lot of parts in me. Yeah. It changed me in a profound and deep way. And I know it changed him in a profound and deep way too, even though he is um, somewhat in denial at the moment. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you. And hopefully it will work out itself out. Yes. I've been having visions all from the moment we met that we are these gray old couple still making the same types of jokes with breakfast so yeah (laughs) my soul knows it will um, all be well in the end yeah wonderful so how can people connect with you work with you and um, become part of your world also a very good question 
I can be found on all major social medias under the name HSP Coach Barbara, and then Barbara with an E, so B-A-R-B-E-R-A instead of with an A, which it usually is. Um, and that's also the name of my website. So I have a YouTube channel, I have a podcast, all with the same name. So you can find blogs, um, podcasts, videos to get to know me better. You can download free eBooks on my website or even book a free call with me. Um, if you just want to chat and see if we are a good match, that will be um, the quickest and the easiest. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am sending you so much love. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Karine. It was a really wonderful conversation with you tonight. And if I only got to inspire even one person, then, you know, my mission is complete. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.